everyone, and welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I'm your host, Ethan Raglan, and as we trek closer and closer to the end of the spooky month that is October, allow me to introduce you guys to a guest with scary good talent, if I do say so myself. But don't panic, because you have a wonderful conversation in front of you. Today's guest is Gene Goldstein, a artist of many talents, whether it be animation, web comics, voice acting, punk rock, any sort of aspect that you can think of that is doing several incredible, amazing stuff. Gene is someone that has honestly been on my radar for a long while. I've kind of held off a little bit because, well, for a little bit, he was hosting a podcast where he was also introducing artists and showcasing them to the world called Creative Block, which if you guys have not heard that podcast yet, please go give that a listen. It is a fantastic listen. But regardless, I figured now, especially that Gene is trying to raise money for the No XP mini web series, I figured now was a great time to bring him on and help really promote that and really give him that shining spotlight that he so rightfully deserves. If you enjoy Gene, make sure you support him with the links down in the description below, especially the Kickstarter for No XP. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, and follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that, and you know I absolutely love it. If you want to go a little further with helping to support the podcast, uh, if you listened to last week's episode, the podcast itself is nominated for the 2023 Toonies for Best Podcast. So if you would go to the link in the description below to fill out the form, it would mean wonders for me. And also, another good way to support well, if you already support the No XP Kickstarter and you want another cool independent animated project that you guys want to support, may I recommend you support us at Pink Bow Productions with the evil little thing making the pilot for that a reality. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, um, this project means a lot to Tipsy and everyone on the Pink Boa team, and it would mean the world if you could donate even as little as five bucks or at least spread the word about this amazing adult animated horror comedy starring a cute little demonic goat but now without further ado please enjoy the postmodern art podcast I want to say right off the bat before we really do get started, thank you so much sincerely for taking the time to do this. This is, it, it's an honor more than anything else. Cause I mean, I didn't realize this until like, like within the past couple of years, but you've had a quite an impact on me in one way or another. Um, like, for one, I saw the the Planet Panic uh, pilot like years ago or whatnot, and like I was always amazed with that kind of stuff. As I started getting into the podcast world, um, you know, seeing Creative Block, like uh, you know, yeah, believe it or not, I think I started before you guys, but still seeing it and give the opportunities that you guys give or whatnot, like it, it was incredible. And I'm not gonna lie, there was a little bit of envy there because the guests you were getting are some of the guests I would have wanted to talk to. <laughs> Hey, well, I was I was shocked at who we were getting too. It was just like we just are lucky. Me and V just are lucky to know people in the industry, and um, we kind of like scale. Well, I can save that for the episode if you want to talk about. Yeah, it, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was gonna, I was yeah, gonna say the one you, benefit. Thanks. I'll say the one benefit you guys have is you guys also work in the industry. I don't. I'm a forklift operator in nowhere, Georgia. Okay, <laughs> we've got to do it. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. But like, regardless, and. Believe it or not, I've had at least one person request you to be on the podcast at least a good couple times. Um, I don't know if you uh, know them, Roya Shahidi. They were the ones that recommended to get you on the podcast. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, Roya's great. All right, Gene, before we really get going, I'm going to ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. 
Let's yeah, say, please. Let's say you get to go to a desert island on your own accord. It's just you, along with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe. You get to truly enjoy yourself for a little bit. With accommodations, you're not just, like, stranded with sand in a palm tree. Like, it's a comfortable okay. vacation situation more than anything else. To help make sure you don't go completely insane on this island, or further insane on this island, yeah, you can bring yeah. one piece of media or one piece of art with you to help with whatever kind of headspace you want on this island. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? Damn. Um, <laughs> I think it'd have to be one piece, right? Were you baiting me with that? That's not always the bait. Like, I just say that because I think, like, emphasizing the one piece. But at the same time, like, you, you, you're also not the first person to say one piece. But I want to at least know. a lot. I, I was going to say, like, for, at least for you, what is it about one piece that makes that the infinite oh. cho instant choice? I think that, you know, the the length alone is is where I was um, bouncing off of, because I think I would get sick of anything that I had to stick with for that long. But mm -hmm. but if I'm if I'm speaking more on like what means the most to me, like it would have to be fully coolie. Like, I feel Ooh. like that's that's the thing for me, you know, oh, um, man. I couldn't watch it. I could, it's only six episodes. So it's like it's not like I could watch it on repeat, um, but I've seen it. I don't know, a dozen times. I have a tattoo on my back of the Atomisk symbol. Yes. Like it's a it's a it's a big one for me. Um and then other than that, I mean it, that's a visual media, but um as far as music, mm, I don't know. I really um I think I could listen to some of the like early Lincoln Park albums a lot. Oh, I'm there one we of those go. Men. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I mean I think but I, one piece is so it's so long. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like I could read it and reread it, and it's dense, so yep. like I could probably get a lot of mileage out of that, Very hoping true. that I get. Uh... But is this was this like a rescue situation or am no, I chilling? You no, said I'm chilling. Yeah, you're chilling. Okay. You're chilling. This is on your okay. own accords. Ah, okay, okay. Then uh, I think I think I still say One Piece because I I've read it once and love it. Okay, but um. Well, I've read the early stuff uh, a couple of times, maybe maybe a few, like uh, up to like Skypea. Like I've read that a few times, but okay. um, but I want to reread it, and and it's a long one, and it's hard to take the time, and um, but there's so much to it. I yeah, so I think I I'm sticking with my original answer. I think that was the right one. Yeah, I think it is a valid choice. Though I will say, whenever you hit said "fully coolie," that hit a personal chord with me. That was one of, like I'm not I, I'm not huge in the anime, but like that's one of the few that I've seen, and I just I, I it still resonates with me so much with how gorgeous it is, the storytelling, and and just it. I think you obviously agree. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, huge influence on me in multiple ways. Like it, um, that I watched it when I was like. Uh, 12 whenever it came out whenever it first came out on mm. adult swim mm -hmm. and uh like that saturday i was having a sleepover with my best friend at the time and um and that came on and we were like what the hell is this <laughs> and it like blew my mind and then i remember that second episode with like the the famous conti kick right. um fucked me up and so i was like i gotta do that and then when i that that show is what got me to start animating um, because I was doing comics, I was doing Hyperboy back then, and then I was like, I want to start animating because of this show. And that, and there was a moment in one of the Hyperboy episodes where there's a kick that he does, and I was just like trying to understand the physics of it. And then there's a scene that is like beat for beat exactly the same as episode uh, five of Fully Cooly, where where uh, Conti like slams down behind Naota. Like I just ripped it off. <laughs> uh, 
But I was like, it was, you know, that's that's what you do when you're starting out. You just yeah. like copy and trace whatever it takes to learn. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's a, and then, and then the music, like the pillows is like such a big influence on Q-Bomb stuff and like, um, yeah, so it, it means a lot to me. And like my, my wife has the Atomisk symbol tattooed, my music partner Rem has a tattooed on So there's like this sort of close connection uh, with all of you just from this incredible, you know, for some people yeah. niche anime that they may not have heard about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So yes. that's my answer. I, that's incredible. That regardless, I mean, so but regardless of the original question, at least one piece. That's your answer. You're locking that in. Yeah, I think I'm locking it in, Regis. Yeah. <laughs> then if that's the case, you have won a trip to the Postmodern Art Podcast. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah! Welcome. Ice broken. <laughs> Welcome everyone. I am your host Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Uh, the 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 evil little thing. Indiegogo campaign is live right now, so go ahead and support that in the link down in the description below, as well as a few others. We'll definitely get to that at, at some point. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> he is an artist, animator, webcomic artist, voice actor, independent animation studio head, punk rock frontman, really cool guy, and Lord knows how many other titles. Welcome to the podcast, Gene Goldstein! God damn! When you say it all in a row like that, what am I? What am I doing? I need to, I need to pick a lane. No, I think I'm doing too many things. No, at, at this point, like if that's what you've got so far, you just need to like try to go out there and just take all the yeah. titles. Like, be the best like forklift operator. Be be the the leader of a bank or something like that. At this point, like you can never every I can never top you. I'm sure I'll never catch up to you in that. Like, so you know, well, you got you got to have your your flex. Look, flattery gets you far, but you're already on the podcast. It's an honor to really have you here on the podcast uh like i said before like you're someone that has honestly had a lot of impact both past and present with what i'm doing with like art and this podcast and stuff like that and, and stuff i definitely want to talk about but before we really jump into that i want to go back just a little bit and talk more or less the origin story of gene we kind of touched on it a little yeah. bit but i'm genuinely curious what got you interested in art in the first place I mean, I have the boring answer of like, it was always a thing for me and, okay. and my parents were always supportive, you know, like I come from a very artistic family, uh, mostly musicians, um, which that came full circle weirdly later on in my life. But, <laughs> um, but I, you know, always, always supportive. And, um, and I, I just love media. I love, um, you know, animation. I've always loved, like they showed me a lot of uh like so i i'm from ukraine originally and so i'm i'm uh i'm russian by like heritage and um and so i watched a lot of russian cartoons growing up before i moved to america when i was like six um and then uh god i just and you know the anime hit me like a freight truck and so i yeah. was like i was into like outlaw star and dragon ball z like all of those uh toonami shows um cartoon cartoons were huge for me and so I just loved it. Um, the there was a couple of like validating moments for me, and and one of them was there was an article that a family friend showed me about Gennady Tartakovsky and how he okay. was from an immigrant from Russia and like he made it. And I I knew of Dexter's Lab, obviously I was a fan, but I didn't know who the creator was, and that like meant a lot to me. And then I've got to meet him a couple times since then, and he's always been very nice. He he turns out that he was like 
we were there was like a family connection and so i, I like met him at a wedding reception um oh, wow. and he was very very nice yeah but he told me to go he's like if you want to I, I was living in chicago with my parents back then this is like my i think i was like 21 or something and uh he was like if you want to work in animation you have to move to burbank and he was right. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I think that, that there's it's hard to get around that. And so that was kind of a nice, like, beginning of my journey. And then sort of the second chapter unlocked because when I actually met him um, and I moved out to Burbank. But um, and then Fully Cooley was a big one. You know, I think that kind of like got me on the path. But even before Fully Cooley, like I just I, I just liked making stuff um, with my hands, with on the computer, whatever. Um, and so I, I did these comics called Hyperboy mm-hmm. on uh, Keen Space or yeah Keen Space, because um, it was free hosting for web comics. Somehow okay. I stumbled on it, and there's going to be a recurring thread here where, in my in my journey, where it's like I find opportunities and then I figure out how to use them. Like I, it's a thing where. I think what got me started on a comic was that I found Keenspace and then I was like, oh, I can do this. And so I learned how to like HTML code, made a shitty little website. And then uh, I did like 200 pages of that um, over the course of, uh, I don't know, I think it was like a year or two. Okay. And then and then Fully Cooley came around, blew my mind, and so I started animating. I had been tinkering with animation, but that really like set me on the path, figured out, got an illegal copy of Flash back then, like just did what I could to practice. And uh, I put out five episodes of that from when I was like 14 until uh, college. So I was like 20, I think. Okay. Um, and it's like a crazy, like if somebody looks that up, it, I'm, I'm not like embarrassed because I was 14 for the, you know, those early episodes, like they are what they are. Yeah. Um, but the the quality definitely shoots up near the end, but for the fifth one especially, and um, and so that was my like earliest thing, and it and it gave me this this itch to keep making things, um, and then uh, yeah, I mean I bounced around a little bit. I worked in mobile games for a spell. I um, and then I uh, I kept pitching. I was always I've been pitching for years and years, always trying to get my stuff picked up. Right. And uh, eventually I uh, when I was working at um, at one of these mobile game studios, I was just like, I have this idea, this idea called Planet Panic. I wanted to just focus on that. Okay. And uh, in my free time, um, I didn't, at the time I was like living with my now wife. We didn't have, we didn't know many people. We were in San Francisco at the time. And so I had all this free time and I was like, I'm just going to use this, this kind of loneliness to like put work into this thing. Um, and so I did, I did a page a week. There were animated pages. Yeah. Every every panel is animated, um, like loops, and so I spent. I did a page a week for a while, and then um, uh, I got noticed by the head of development at Nickelodeon uh, at the time was Phil Rinda, who is a legend in animation in his own right. Um, and uh, he asked me to pitch it as a as a short for um, their shorts program they were doing, mm-hmm. and so and it was at San Diego Comic Con, which I was probably going to go to that year anyway, so. I went, I pitched it, and that, that kind of started a whole other journey because, like, they, they rejected it, and then I pitched it again, and they rejected it, and I just kept going. And that time, I moved to L.A. I was in San Francisco at the time, then I moved to L.A., um, and I just kept pushing, kept pushing forward. I eventually got a job, thanks to Phil, because he introduced me to his wife, who was the art director on Loud House, mm. um, and she she hired me onto the Loud House as a background designer. So that was a that was a weird first job for me. Not like just because I never I never thought that's what I would 
break in. Like that was, that didn't make any sense to me. Um, but she saw potential in me. Um, so I, I owe the Rindas a, a lot and, um, they, uh, yeah. And then I, I got a job at Nick and then, um, within a few months I got the short picked up and, uh, I don't know if it helped that I was working there. I don't think it hurt. Um, but I think I also just had, had polished it. I had polished it. I had, uh, made the right connections, you know, talked to the right people. And, um, and so I got the short greenlit and then, uh, spent a couple of years making it. Things are, it's always slow. Yeah. Um, especially whenever finally, you like, yeah. especially whenever you have a job at the same time, you can't exactly put all your effort into making it's not your even thing. That. It's not that like I was hustling. Like anytime the ball was in my court, I would knock out whatever they needed from me in like a week or two. Cause okay. I was like, I was sharpening my skills for that for years before that. Like I, I knew all the people I wanted to bring on. I knew what I wanted it to look like. Right. A lot of the time when, when studios do these shorts programs, they'll, bring in people that have an idea but the idea might be a little too fresh and so they pair you up with all these uh art directors or whoever you know producers and they'll help you realize your vision i was an exception in that i was like i know what i want this to be like i don't need i don't really need any help except i, I got a little bit of help um for the storyboards because i hadn't like i didn't have as much experience so they i just it was mostly like story notes like here's how you punch this up okay and uh from uh gabe Swar and eric robles who um Gabe Swar show ran the new Animaniacs. Eric Robles did glitch tax, like, and they're friends now, and they were supportive of me then, and so they they help kind of um, just uh, sand off the, the the rough spots. You know, they they were um, they were very nice. And but then once once I got into like visual design, I was like, I want this person, I want this person, and it's like <laughs> I think I got pretty much everybody because a lot of them were either friends or acquaintances from the internet, right? Um. And so I built this amazing team that I was so proud of, and and then Studio Yada came through for the animation, and so it was, and who were at the, you know, on on the rise then, and I just saw this potential in all these people, and um, and so we made an amazing little short. We made a, a great short, came out in 2018, um, did crazy numbers, yes. like did really well. Uh, I was I was I was on cloud nine for like months, like it was <laughs> it was amazing. Um, and then uh, I tried to get it made into a show. I went through the development grind, and um, if you can avoid it, do it. Avoid it because <laughs> it sucks the life out of you. Like it is, and and I I don't want to get into like details too much, but it's basically just like studios have a really hard time with original stuff right now. Maybe for the foreseeable future. Like I don't know. Like it's it's really really dismal, and I kind of. Um, was on the early end of in the beginning of the of the end in that way like i had a, i had all these friends that were also in development with these amazing projects i did voice for one of them for uh Hannah Yugi's Monsters Abroad like there was this little like there was like a generation of potential showrunners that were growing right and i feel like almost all of them got cut short so to me there's this like dead generation like this this ghost generation of showrunners that didn't get their voices heard oh yeah um because the streaming services started to take over and it just like it became impossible so the last batch that i think kind of saw the public eye was that batch of netflix shows like centaur world and like battle kitty like they all got greenlit um a little bit before i got into development and like all those people got to make their shows and then none of those shows were marketed super well like they didn't really get they didn't get the audience that they deserved and and then after that it just like went downhill yeah. and um, 
And so, and they, uh, a couple years into development, they passed on it. They were like, ah, sorry, like, we don't know what to do with this. People keep asking, and I've said it on other interviews, I think, but it's like, there's nothing, uh, there's no conspiracy theory. There's no, like, yeah. vicious thing. It was just that, like, dreaming is king, mm -hmm. and um, Nickelodeon uh, does not have a proper channel for distributing on streaming like they they really are struggling with that um and you people will say like you know they have stuff on netflix sure those are one-off deals or they say paramount plus i don't know what to tell you about that because that doesn't make any sense they should dump everything they've ever owned on paramount plus yeah but rights are weird executives are not always the smartest <laughs> they, they don't they just don't they're 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 clueless a lot of them are just clueless as to what's what works um, Plus, I I, I, I I can imagine for you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like from when you had started making uh, the the pilot uh, to when like it, they passed on it, like leadership had to have changed like at least a good couple times. Like you know, leadership changes all the times, and what they had wanted back then is not what they wanted like with, at that moment. It, so I think uh, from when I pitched the short, I think I went through four people in charge. Jesus, um, to, to varying degrees, it was. I'm sure there's a beautiful metaphor for it that I haven't thought of, but it, it really was like constantly like, you know, running up the hill and then somebody pushes me down and then I have to run back up to where I was and then I go a little further. Eventually I got to the top, but there was just, uh, I, I couldn't cross the gate, you know, like it, they were like, it, it's like the, sorry, it's, it's no. like the Sisyphus more than anything else. Like you're rolling that rock up the hill, but it always comes back down. Then the one time you get up the peak, it goes down on the other side. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it was, um, and that's development, you know, you're pushing a big old rock up a hill. Um, and, uh, sometimes people throw bricks at you while you're pushing that rock up a hill. And, uh, so I, I'm always, it's, I think now more than ever, I'm telling people to be very cautious with their ideas right. and, um, and, and not pitch anything that's precious to you. People said that to me then. But what was I going to do? Like, that was the idea that hit, that seemed to hit. And so I was like, I have to see this through to the end. And, then, you know, there's choices made. And I I try not to live with the regrets of what I could have done because I know where my head was at at any given time. So, like, it always made sense. Um, but it was nothing that the show did wrong. I, right. I don't – I've talked to executives since then that I've left that I – because I liked my executives on, on that development process. They were great. I'm still friends with them. Right. Um, it was above their pay grade. You know, it was they, – they pushed for it, and it just, like, it just hit a wall. Um, so, um, yeah, that was uh, – for now, that was the, the end of my uh, journey with Planet Panic because they, they sort of have the rights. They do have the rights, but uh, I can pitch it around. So if things ever start to look up, um, I could uh, – with networks, I could pitch it you know they might want it they'll buy it out from nick whatever i i'm not in the worst uh situation that i could be with that right because there are people who who pitch shows and then the studios just don't give them their rights back at all mm. um which is malicious and i i hate it um, understandable but, yeah but i'm lucky in that i i managed i, I think maybe because i had a good relationship with them or i just got lucky um they they saved me from that fate but um so you know but after that I had to kind of um, dust off my. I had to. I had to clean my wounds, and I had to bandage them up. And uh, did the creative block for a bit. Did a podcast with uh, Viola and Briot, um, where we interviewed people 
much like this show. It was just interviewing animation folks. And uh, that was like a COVID project that grew. And, right. and we did it, for, well, I did it for two years. V is still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just kind of, I, it was taking up a lot of my time and I, I wanted to do other things. So I, I uh, backed out of that. But, um, and then I uh, started doing this little show, this little web series called No XP. Um, that was uh, an experiment in scoping down for me mm-hmm. because I have a, a I have a problem where everything I come up with is massive. I have these <laughs> massive ideas for things like I had three seasons of a show, a fucking game, like a so. And I think a lot of people might have that same problem. It's a it's totally normal thing. You want to make a big impressive thing. The problem is, if you're always setting your sights too high, nothing will ever get done. Right. Like it just doesn't happen. So. You got to make bite-sized projects that you can do consistently. And then you, you learn a lot and uh, you get faster and better. And, but people are seeing all this. So you become a public uh, figure, somebody people look up to. And um, I've managed to squeak out projects over the years, you know, but a lot that I just couldn't. I like they were too big and I, they fell off my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so NoXP was like, hey, I can make these, these shorts. I can make these little shorts by myself. Um, but then once I got another full-time job a couple years ago, I was like, I can't do this by myself. And so, um, in the, over the last year, I started building up a little team, started hiring folks to help me animate it, paying them out of pocket. And then, uh, got laid off back in June. What's up? And, um, (laughs) decided that I was just going to start a little animation studio. Um, and pretty quickly grabbed clients like people came to me um which was really cool we're working with ginger pale now um working with uh my friend anna's doing enceladus 5 on tiktok um friend david it is doodly on youtube which is doing well and we're just helping them make their stuff um hopefully you know blow them up so that they they're all bigger than they were when we started working with them right um Meanwhile, I'm still doing OXP. We have a Kickstarter. I'm, um, I'm going to plug it right now. We have, we have a Kickstarter that we're trying to get funded so we can fund that first season of No XP. Um, and we're we're past the halfway mark. We yep. still have like yep. three three weeks left, which is feels pretty good. But you never know. So um, yeah, we I would appreciate any uh, any backings that people can give. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm busier now while i'm unemployed than i was when i had a job and <laughs> i don't know i don't like it because i'm not making money right but I, i'm hoping it'll pay off later you know um before i go broke but uh that's how these things always start yeah. so I, I i'm comfortable with that but yeah that was a long answer but that is my <laughs> like that is my journey as a artist animator um up till now, I think. Uh, I was gonna say, I love how I started with like, what was the origin story? You just gave me the whole story. You gave me every <laughs> single chapter, basically. I don't know where to. I don't know where to stop that. You know, they, they just, <laughs> like, what is my origin if not? everything up till now where i'm talking to you you know, you know, know. That, that's valid and if nothing else i appreciate you at least putting the roadmap out there because now i can go back to certain points and you know if i want Please. to emphasize the certain points because there is certainly a lot that you went through there but yeah like, <laughs> like the fact that you like knew so many incredible people especially like gendy you know fairly early on you know getting opportunities and such you know all like 
whether or not they succeeded, the fact that you had these opportunities is more than what some people can say, which is absolutely outstanding in the first place. But I want to go back to a, a very early opportunity that you made to yourself that you kind of mentioned half-heartedly. Well, I didn't say half-heartedly, but you mentioned it a little bit. I, I, as I was doing my research, I stumbled upon this Hyperboy, mainly the episode five that you talked about because I found it on your YouTube channel more than anything else. So I'm genuinely curious, what exactly was Hyperboy and what inspired you to like get started on that road in the first place? So, I mean, I used to do uh, comics in like my school notebooks, you know, like okay. a lot of 13-year-old boys probably do. Um, and I would do... <laughs> I'd have these like, I had I would I would have a page. This is before Hyperboy, but I would do like a, a eight and a half by eleven page, and I had this um, like stick figure. This is like during stick fights, you know, when that oh, was yeah. a thing. And I had this like stick figure guy with like this big sword, and I would just fill the page with him fighting all these dudes. And I had a pen and a red uh, pencil, <laughs> I think. And I it was just like bloody. If somebody found those, they would probably like report me. But um, but I was just like this guy, just like fucking tearing ass through. So it was like comics. It was sequential art, but it was a fight scene that I was playing out in my head. Mm -hmm. And I, you, but it was linear. So he was like moving through this like hall. It was very like uh, old boy. <laughs> like he was just like killing all these dudes. Um, a lot of fun. It was like a lot of fun to do those. And um, and then I started doing some other comics. Um, my best friend at the time and I used to goof around a lot and come up with ideas for stuff and we ran through a few different comics ideas uh and some early animation stuff like i would we would riff on stuff and then i would try to animate these these shorts we were into like aqua teen hunger force so it felt achievable you know those shows are so low budget that it's like i can do this yeah it's actually harder than it looks but a lot. <laughs> um, i i worked on aqua teen much later too so I, it's harder than it looks mm -hmm. um and so uh and then i did this I came up with this character named Hyperboy because I was a very hyper kid. Um, and uh, and the joke was that, like, you know, when I eat candy, I, like, get, I go crazy. I get superpowers, man. Like, it was, it's corny as hell now. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I came up with, it was, the character was named Gene. Yep. The best friend was named after my best friend. Like, it was, I, it was, I wasn't that creative then. Um, and so this, it was, like, the idea was that it's this character, Gene, who eats Candy and becomes a superhero when he's wearing this suit, uh, the hyper suit. And um, I did this comic just for fun. It was just I I was so chock full of shonen and like action cartoons that I was like I need to do something with all this like energy and love that I have for this shit. And so uh, I started doing these comics and like the early ones they're still up online. Mm -hmm. um, the early ones are terrible. It's like I drew them in pencil. And it's just like a four coma, like four panels, and the jokes are terrible. Like I don't, I don't defend any of it. It's bad. Um, we were all kids at but, one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was a child. But, um, and so that was how where it came from. And then it, you know, somehow I got fans for that. Like yeah. I had a forum that I ran, and a lot of, you know, I had a bunch of people in there, and I got started getting fan art and started. Really, it, it took off when the. Um, when I did the animations, that's when yeah. it like really started getting attention. And to this day, people mention to me like how much it meant to them. And that's like crazy to me because like I appreciate it, but it's just like, that was just the thing that I was messing around with. And, and I think that, I think what, um, what worked about it maybe is that it was, it felt achievable. Yeah. Like Aqua Teen to me, Hyperboy, especially the earlier episodes, like they felt achievable to somebody who was into animation and they're like, I can do this. Me and my friends joke around like this too. I can, whatever. Um, 
And so I, I don't know. I think there's something to that. I, even today, I think yeah. that um, the stuff that feels achievable can have a bigger impact than something that's like uh, insurmountable. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to make a, a Ghibli movie. I, I don't know how to do Castlevania. <laughs> you know, like I maybe I could figure it out now. But um, but it's it's when you're starting out, you want those like those the projects that feel achievable are the most like inspiring i think like Absolutely. stuff on the internet so Absolutely. anyway I, I was gonna say like honestly like just even watching the the one episode that i did of hyperboy or whatnot like i could tell yeah. that like even back then how like you could tell that the foundation was there for like the good animator that you eventually became like you can see like some of the cool like action sequences that you tried to to tinker around with back then i'm not gonna lie it was a total trip for the mid-2000s for me especially for the episode that i did watch where you just get, you have gene in there just going let's get this party started right oh, now <laughs> I just thought it was it was just fun. I was just messing around. No, it, um, it looks like fun more yeah. than anything else, and that's why I, I couldn't help but commend more than anything else. Like you, you know, you could say what you people could say what they want about yeah. like the animation itself, or like maybe some of the jokes. It just looked like you were having a fun time, really getting to to sink your you know teeth into this kind of like, yeah. animation world in the first place. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, it was fun. It was a good time. Good. I'm glad it comes through. Absolutely. I mean, I imagine the fun obviously continued not just with Hyperboy, with with your other projects. And I know you already talked ad nauseum when it came to Planet Panic and like some of the stuff involved with that. But I I want to know more or less going back to my thing, the origin of that as well. I know you kind of said a little bit, but what exactly inspired you to make Planet Panic in the first place? It was also it was like a very organic thing for it took years, honestly, because like. And I remember every step of it because uh, in college, I remember I was just doodling in my sketchbook and I drew this like detective character. Um, he looked different, but he was he was uh, a ro- like a detective that could like make robot parts come out of his body. I don't mm-hmm. know. That was like the, the original idea. And then a friend of mine at the time drew this big like Easter Island looking head. And he's like, you should make him look like this with like the big stupid fucking nose. My friend um, Gabo uh, goes by Galvasaur or Gabo online. Um, uh, love the guy. He he really helped me a lot a lot in college. Like yeah. you know, get my bearings. And so he drew this big stupid looking Easter Island head, and I was like, wait, I like that. And it was like a tie. <laughs> and uh, that was like the first drawing of Zeus. I think I have it somewhere. And uh, and, he, and and then another friend was like, you should call him. Uh, what was it like? Uh, guy, guy Zeus, and so when they say he's like, my name is Zeus guy, and I was like, that's lame, but I'm gonna call him Zeus guy. Like it just sort of like evolved over time. Right. Um, another close friend of mine, Greg, uh, helped come up with idea of Pibbles. Originally, originally Pibbles was like a sickly kid that was hanging out with Zeus at like a, it was like a make a wish thing. And it, was, it was like he wanted to hang out with a, a superhero, and so. Uh, yeah, that's and it's so, but it's like all these weird little nuggets of ideas that just kept evolving over time. Yeah, eventually you, we did, you, you, you chipped away at it to to the form yeah. that we all got to see. Yeah, and that's you know that's how a lot of these ideas form, and um, some of it's online. Some of those early versions are online. Some of them I've I've made private just because it's like there's spoilers and things for later ideas. But um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a very organic process, and then. Um, uh, Eventually, I tried to make a pilot at one point, like a full 22-minute pilot. Like okay. when I got out of college, yeah, when I got out of college, I storyboarded a 22-minute pilot. Me and my friends did all the voices, and um, 
It still exists on Vimeo. It's it's <laughs> private. Um, but I'm proud of that achievement alone. Like I think that was a, a for that moment that was really uh, hard to do for me. But then I was like, I'm gonna try to animate this, and that's one of those examples where I was like, nope, couldn't do it. Too way too much, way too much, way too ambitious. Um, and uh, maybe for the best, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that formed a lot of it. Like it, it solidified a lot of the ideas. Uh, Pibbles was no longer a, a sickly kid, I don't think. Um, and uh, by that point, and it was just a kid hanging out with this grown man. And uh, it's a future. It's, 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 it's a different world, you know. <laughs> there was some reason for it, but I, I've I've erased that because I have the, like the new lore in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, yeah, and then like I said during my rant, like I just wanted to get something. I was pitching a lot of stuff, and it just wasn't working because I, nobody gave a shit. So I, I was like, I'm going to do it myself. I was like Thanos. I was like, I'm going to do it myself. And I did that comic. And uh, boy, sometimes that pays off, you know? Yeah. I think um, I poured off, I poured all my energy into, like you were saying, I was having fun with Hyperboy. In that moment, I was having fun with Planet Panic because I realized that I could hit this niche that no one else has ever done, which is the like, these like looping pages and there's yeah. been animated comics and stuff, you know, like Homestuck and whatever, but like never quite like how I wanted to do it. Um, and so, uh, it was fun for, for a while. It was fun to just come up with these little moving art pieces every week. Like every panel was a puzzle yeah. that I had to solve. I was like, how am I going to have this character? Cause I wanted them to work as stills too. And so I was like, how am I going to have this, this panel like be an infinite loop? And so, had to come up with some really clever ways to do that. Um, but uh, really proud of all that. Like, super proud of all that still. Um, eventually, I just, I, I had an out. I, I knew that I wanted to finish the first chapter. Like, I, I knew that there's a good chance that I wouldn't be able to, like, keep it going indefinitely. And once I got my animation job, definitely knew I couldn't keep it going indefinitely. Right. Um, but I at least finished that, like, first chapter. And a lot of people think that that's, the like canon origin of Pibbles and Zeus, and it's it's actually not, um, because since the short came out and I did all this development on it, I reworked a lot of how they met. It's it's better. It's all a lot better, and the characters are more evolved, um, a lot more depth to it. So it exists up here and in a bunch of other documents. Um, and it's all really good. I'm not even bullshit. Like, I'm not even blowing smoke <laughs> up my own ass. Like, I really love what that, like, show development Bible is. It's, like, a really good. And, and I've showed it to all these networks and places, and they just, they just don't know what to do with it right now. So, you know, it's time will hopefully come. Um, but that's, that's like, the, the point A to point B of, of Planet Panic, I think. Right, right. I mean, regardless, I mean, what you were able to accomplish so far with P Planet Panic is an accomplishment on its own, just all the things you consider, like, doing the, the animated comics in the first place, which, like you had said, there were some out there, but the way you animated those comics was, like, nothing that I had ever seen before. Like, I feel like after a certain point, you're just, like, showing off. <laughs> Though I, I, I was, I was gonna say, but I also imagine that was a lot of work that went to showing off as well. <laughs> but I, that was the goal. I mean, I, I, I'm not joking. Like I was like, I, this has to be a flex. Like right. this has to be a flex because I needed to get into animation. Like I was like, I need to get this job. 
um, you know, f the fictional job. Like I was like, I need to prove myself to someone. And so it's just a small miracle that I caught the eye of somebody who could do that for me. But, um, yeah, 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 everyone, if, if somebody wants to get a job and get noticed, put your whole ass into something exactly. like flex, like, combine all the skills you have into one project and do it for as long as you can. And like it, it will, something will happen. Yeah. Like you do, it might not be what you expect, but something will happen. And I, I just got to say, whenever you said you got to put your whole ass into it, it just reminds me of something I always like to say. You can't half-ass something. You either got to go whole ass or no ass at all, you know? Not a whole ass, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, <laughs> I would be tempted to make that the title of the episode, but I know demonetization would take that immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but regardless, yeah. like, you know, obviously, you know, you, the things that followed afterwards has been documented multiple times, and you've said it yourself, and obviously – it's something that you still hold near and dear, and like you said, you have the ability to pitch it to other places or whatnot. I'm just thinking now that you have your own independent animation studio. Could you technically pitch it to yourself and pick it up and make your own thing? Topic. I think that um, I would love to talk about this because I think there are some misconceptions people have about like what it means to have a studio, an indie studio, right. and what a studio does. Um, because it's not... A studio is mostly just the name of a bunch of people working on something, right? right? Like, and that's what we have. We have a bunch of people working on stuff. Um, my goal as like executive producer, president, whatever, is to wrangle up projects, clients um, that we can work with that'll pay us to make stuff, which is what usually happens on a larger scale with the studios. You know, like they will um, when it when it's like existing IPs, especially. You know, it's like they will have. Oh, I don't know, Garfield. Like, the, the Garfield will want Nickelodeon, which does own the rights to Garfield, um, or at least the animation rights. They will say, hey, we'll hire you to make us a show because we want to promote Garfield on your channel or wherever. Um, and so they'll pay them a lot more money than we get paid mm -hmm. um, to make episodes of Garfield. And Nickelodeon has this reputation. They have this infrastructure. And so they hire people. They put their people in as showrunners, directors, blah, 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 all the way down. Um, and so, um, uh, and then hopefully they make money, they'll make money off of that. Then the, whoever owns Garfield will, uh, get their money off of that marketing. So in our case, in our tiny little studio, um, we don't have like, like no X, the reason why we're doing Kickstarter for no XP is because it's not like we have money. There is like practically zero money in Jellybox right, right. now. So the the funds that we're raising are to fund the creation of these next 40 episodes of no xp mm -hmm. um i i really i i make zero dollars off of that like i think that it's not something i want to like advertise because i don't want it to seem like i'm i need pity because i don't i'm making a show that i'm excited about right um but i it's i i think people don't really know that it costs money to make things like it's just people forget it costs money because you want to pay people and you want to pay them well as much as you can it's really hard when you're indie because it's just you're scraping funds together um but i me pitching a show to myself wouldn't do anything because we don't have the money to make it right so if uh if another studio this is something that will happen where like you know people will sell an idea to uh, a network let's say rick and morty okay um rick and morty was an adult swim show but um, Adult Swim doesn't really produce stuff internally. 
Um, they don't have an animation studio. They work with other studios to produce their content. Right. Um, there's some exceptions, but, yeah. uh, you know, they worked with Radical Axis in the past. I worked at Radical Axis briefly. Um, they work with, uh, like, Awesome Inc. now. They work with a bunch of places. Um, but uh, Rick and Morty started their own production studio. Well, the creators started Green Portal Productions as a place to make Rick and Morty. Um, and it's, you know, they hired up the people. They had money. They had money from Adult Swim to fund this. Mm -hmm. So they had the money to open up a studio. They have uh, merch revenue too, which is amazing. That's a huge way to, to help fund things, which is something we're trying to do as well. And so they built it up, you know, and then they uh, pitched another show. And that got greenlit. Now they have two shows. Ed. And so there's a, there's a scale that starts to hopefully happen when you, uh, but when you need that first hit, you need that first thing that um, takes off. And right. then hopefully, okay. but that's the thing. So it's like, you know, I, I appreciate people messaging me being like, hey, I have an idea. Can I pitch it to you? And it's like, I got nothing. To, yeah. I, there's nothing I can do for you there. Like, do, make it yourself. Why do you? Uh, and so I think they see studio and they imagine that we're somehow on the scale of a Nickelodeon or, or a Cartoon Network or whatever. Couldn't be further from the truth. Like, there is a few internal projects that I want to do that I want love to make with the funding, any profits that we're making as a studio um, later. Mm -hmm. um, but it has to build to that. And so like no XP is the first step. All these clients that we're working with, all these partnerships we have are steps towards that. It's scaling and trying to build out an infrastructure and like, I'm learning a lot about small business, man. Like yeah. it's just like, like bookkeeping, like all these, these things that are very like businessy, but it's work that I don't mind doing. And I've realized that that in itself is a skill that I've learned that a lot of people just don't have or, or don't care to or don't want to you know um and you know for a lot of people this kind of like uh heady like business thing is like nails on a chalkboard and i don't mind it i've, I've never minded it so I, I i think i'm in a position where i can make it happen um but it's steps it's i, I have a you know i have a plan i have milestones that i'm trying to hit and uh Right now, we're like we're just searching for uh, we're trying to get a Kickstarter funded, and we're trying to get more people that are that need the help. Like, I would love to work with more YouTubers, um, people that are on Instagram, and our goal is to try to partner up with more creators that have found their audience and they have followers and subscribers, but they they're overwhelmed by the amount of content that they need to produce, the amount of stuff because it's exhausting. It's, it's weekly in some places, daily in others. Um, it's a whole process. And, uh, it's an effort of a lot of people trying, or maybe even a few people, but still trying to make something like that a reality, which is not as easy yeah. as some people think it is. It's a, it's, it's so much harder than people think it is. Um, it is a job. And yes. for a lot of people, they're, they're still working a job while they do this. Um, so, you know, my, my goal is to try to help people out like hey you know pay us something we'll help you out with this um so that you can produce more and in theory make more and not burn out because i i i'm worried about the the burnout rate of all these independent creators as people start flocking more to uh web media because tv is in such a rut well tv animation is in such a rut and people are still going to be hungry for for original ideas um 
And I, I think independent animation's picking up the slack. It's just like it's just starting. It's just kind of beginning. Um, but uh, I, you know, I try. I've tried doing it the traditional route. All my friends and colleagues tried to do the traditional route. Everyone has realized that that is a that is a dead end. Um, and instead of wasting my time continuing to try to pitch shows to people that don't care, um, I'd rather try to figure it out on my own and uh, and partner with people that also have that goal in mind um yeah i i was gonna say i, I love how i kind of started it with more or less like a half-assed joke about you making your own animation when it comes to planet panic it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a thing that i i see people say though and i've okay. never talked about it publicly but i just didn't know where but um well I, luckily i provide a good platform for yeah, it <laughs> yeah it's a thing i mean i think that um yeah, people say that to me on on Twitter and stuff. They'll be like, you know, can you make Planet Panic now? I'm like, bro, I wish. Like, yeah. it's it. W give me like five years. Yeah, there like, you go. I, you know, I mean, like, give me some time to figure this out. Hopefully, we'll get to that point yeah. where I I can have millions. Like, that's what it's going to cost. It's going to cost millions oh, yeah. to produce a show. Um. And it's just, it, it's otherwise, what, it, where is that effort coming from? Like, where does that labor come from? It comes from having money. Like, that's just, it is what it is. That is what there's it no, is. There's no, there's no magic to making animation. It takes money. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Capitalism is the magic. Capitalism. <laughs> it is the magic. Yeah, it sucks, but that's what it is. That, that it's, is it's... what it is. No, what I was initially saying is I love how I started off I, a half-assed joke about Plant Panic, but honestly, like, that is honestly really informative to me because I've always had this kind of, like, you know, far-off dream in the back of my mind that if somehow this podcast is to be even remotely successful for oh, – oh, did you freeze? Okay, there you go. Uh, if this podcast is to be even remotely successful – or whatnot i'd like to be able to like start a studio somehow like help some of these people that i bring on the podcast like help make their ideas a reality because like i'm sure you could probably attest to this there are so many incredible people that are doing so many incredible ideas and if you had the ability to you would help every single one of them out just automatically go make this incredible thing because i know the love and passion you put into it but it's just not that easy it's not that easy and i i think um yeah being even with in the case of this this business like I'm trying to start stay small. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to stay you know, uh, work within the budget so that we have work within the the limits that we have and and build something up in a way that makes it sustainable and isn't isn't hurting anyone, um, which is very hard. Yeah. And I, I think that people don't understand that. I think a lot of people um, have a lot of false ideas about what it takes to run a studio or just a business in general and. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, a lot of a lot of haters and shit talkers. Not to me, thank God, but um, not yet. I don't know. But like, I <laughs> say, this is the internet. That there's always gonna be you know shit talkers out there. <laughs> yeah, but I, I see a lot of really like dumb discourse oh, from people God, yes. that like, you don't you don't know what you're talking about in the slightest, and you're really making making you really think you do, and it's frustrating because then people will buy those lies. And, uh, boy, let me tell you, anybody who wants to criticize animation, like, go try to make a thing. Yeah. Like, anybody's, go try to make a thing, or, or if, before you criticize people's uh, methods or whatever, like, go try to make a thing by yourself first, and then if you really feel bold, try to get a few friends together and see how long you last. Mm -hmm. Because it uh, is incredibly difficult to wrangle people towards a common goal 
um, especially if you're not paying them. Um, and especially even if you do pay them, you have to make sure that they're getting paid well. So that's the thing. Like a lot of projects will start because people just are passionate about it and they want to make a thing together with their friends. And yeah. so nobody's making, nobody's making any money on it. And that's great. Um, until somebody needs to pay the bills, you yeah. know, and then, then they are, their involvement's going to lessen. They're going to not be as involved. Suddenly you're down an animator. Suddenly you're down a musician, whatever. And then you have to scramble to figure out how to fill that void. But now you've lost a starting partner who was willing to do it for free. Now you have to pay the person that you're bringing on. Where do you get that money? Right. So it's just, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to make uh, a thing independently. And I salute everybody that has pulled it off. Like yes. the lackadaisies, the, the long gone gulches, like all these projects, uh, Viv, you know, Viv, like with hell of a boss, like it's, it's uh, a monumental task. And, um, and yeah, I just, I think people, you want to criticize something, go for it. But I think understand the process before you do, because yeah. that, that shit frustrates me to no end. It's just, it's just talking out of your ass at that point. So anyway, it's, it's one thing to have a take, but it's another thing to be ignorant about your take in the first place. Yeah. You know? So, exactly. and especially yeah. in today's day and age where it's very easy for ignorant people to make their voice louder than anyone else's, you know, some things kind of seep through the cracks, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, people like yourself, people are that are in the business, people that understand what's going on. And you know, the, at the end of the day, they know like, yeah, this is BS no matter what. <laughs> It's, it, I think that it's, yeah, I mean, you know, all of us, people my my age, all my, my colleagues, they, um, we all grew up on the internet. So, yeah. like, we all know what, what it is and what, what to expect from it. And um, I, we have hopefully built a thick skin for I definitely have a thick skin for it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to uh, criticize the hell out of major studios, which everyone should. And I, I like, I love all the striking that's happening and all this yes. stuff. But I, I think when it starts to attack the little guy, it's like, man, I don't know. That, what are we doing here? Like, these people are barely, like, making a living, probably, if if at all, mm -hmm. trying to make, make a thing. And then they also get shit on by people that have never, probably weren't fans of theirs to begin with. So it's just, it's a bad, it's a weird time. It's a weird time to be a creator on online. Because um, it's all gotten too, too big, but it's still small. So yeah. it's like, you don't, you don't even get to, like reap the benefits a lot of the time but you have to deal with all the fallout of like everything i don't know so it's complicated be nice <laughs> be nice to independent creators because they're they're all very stressed that's it's, my message i was gonna say it's so easy to be nice on the internet it really is it really is <laughs> it really is it's not hard just don't don't say the the mean thing in your head yeah, exactly <laughs> but inside yeah <laughs> it's so easy Anyway, <laughs> anyways, no, and I was going to say, but back to obviously going kind of to your, one of your points to kind of go into the next point. Like you said, you know, as much as you'd like to do all this independent stuff, you got to pay the bills. I mean, obviously you've had good opportunities to pay the bills with some of the incredible projects you've had that you've been able to be a part of in one way or another. I know a couple that I have listed down, as you mentioned the loud house, you also were a storyboard artist for Jellystone and the uh, rebooted Animaniacs. Like I can only imagine getting an opportunity to work on shows like that it has to be like mind-blowing more than anything else um it, it is but like most of the time it's i'm lucky i'm just glad to have a job you know like and and a job in circumstances that i that i'm happy with um 
And it's, I think a lot of um, people go through this process where they, they're looking for the show that, that um, will be a big deal. You know, it's like, they want to work on those, like what sometimes called prestige shows where it's like, you know, adventure times, whatever the shows that everyone on the internet's talking about. Um, but like, I've never worked on a show that I was passionate about myself. Okay. I was, I was just happy to work on stuff that I could at least be proud of, which is different. Um, and so Loud House was a great team. It was, I really loved the team. Um, Animaniacs was just a big name. That was my first storyboarding job and like, it was challenging. It was very challenging for me. Um, but I, you know, I love the show. The Gabe Soir is a friend and like he was the showrunner and he brought me in and I, I learned a lot on that show, but it was, it was hard work I and I was doing development. I was doing development at that time and doing a lot of stuff with, uh, with Q-Bomb. And so I was just stressed to, to hell. Like it was rough. Um, and then, uh, Jellystone was, uh, just an amazing team of friends. Like it was, I felt very lucky to be we were only there for two months in the office and then COVID hit. And so I was, yeah. So like I needed a job. Um, and, uh, I had talked to CH Greenblatt about like, Hey, can I join the crew? Um, I'll do revisions. I don't care. I I was just like, I just, I want a job and I would love to work on this team. I have, I had so many friends working on there. Right. Um, and he's like, yeah, all right. Um, and so brought me on and did the revisions and uh yeah i mean it was just it was great and then it was not great you know like in the show it was no it was no fault of the show it was um, it was the circumstances yeah, of some, circumstances. yeah. especially yeah. whenever you know a, a big giant mysterious disease is in the air you know <laughs> yeah so so you know and then that wrapped up that season wrapped up and um and then i jumped over to uh, uh back to mobile games okay i was unemployed for a while i can imagine i was yeah, like after Jellystone ended, I was unemployed for like eight months. Um, and I had COVID unemployment, which was uh, very generous at that time. Um, and so I was thankful for that. But I took that time to like kind of reset a little bit. And like, um, but I got that job um, and it was great. Again, didn't care about the product we were making um, at all. Uh, it was, I was working at a slots uh, studio. They make like mobile slots. And I was like, eh, this is kind of sketch, but like it was, it seemed like a stable job, salaried job. Yeah. And uh, I immediately loved the team. I loved my, well, the art director, my boss was the voice of Zeus guy, Bob. Hey. So that, that came full circle. Yeah. He was, he's always been a longtime friend and he needed somebody uh, under him that he could trust and uh, run the animation team. And so that's what I was doing. Hired a bunch of people, one of whom is doodly is my friend david who now does doodly so it, these things it's always these like little connections you make with people yeah um and uh yeah and then it just they couldn't they didn't see a future for that game we were working on they thought it wasn't going to make money and they canceled it and fired everybody and mm. uh it is what it is um it is, what it, is. it is what it is and i am not allowed to say anything else um understandable so, <laughs> yeah um, so, uh, yeah, there was a, there was a layoff and, and that's, you know, that felt like I try to, I've been trying to, in a very corny cliche way, like follow what the universe hands me. And so to me, that was like, you know what, like this feels like a moment where I need to do my own thing for the first time and, um, and embark on that and we'll see how it goes, you yeah. know, um, it could all fall apart, but, uh, 
I like working for myself so far. It's just stressful as all hell. That's but, that's yeah. valid. That's valid. But I was gonna also say, like, you know, on top of all this other stuff that you talked about beforehand, you kind of mentioned it, but you were somehow able to also find a way to be the front man for a punk, or at least correct me if I'm wrong. You look very similar to the front man of a very particular punk rock band known as a uh, Q Bomb. I don't know if you've heard of them before, but yeah. yeah. I'll I'll uh I'll drop my kayfabe for that. Oh, <laughs> I, I was gonna, um, I was gonna go into a whole entire like Donald Glover childish Gambino bit just for it real quick, but no. Yeah, I, not worth it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I try to uh I try to stay in character with that as much as I can. But um, but I you know I think it's hard to separate the visual the design or whatever of of Cubom from from me, mm-hmm. and I'm not quiet about it. I I talk about it online all the time. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I did some, uh, music with my writing partner, Rem, when I was like 21, okay. uh, in college, we, we did, uh, like this video game hip hop project called Gumboozle. Ooh, um, there's three songs. It was like chiptune hip hop. I, I'm still proud of it, but, uh, it probably doesn't age well. Like it was music. a product of his time. <laughs> yeah. A product of its time. Um, but I like the songs a lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, you know, life happened and we, uh, didn't work on anything together for a while. But then when I moved to LA, uh, we were, well, we've always been friends, but like we, uh, there was a moment where Nickelodeon was, uh, hosting like a talent show thing called Nickapalooza. And I was like, Hey, let's put, uh, let's put a band together. Um, and it was like a six minute set they were giving people. So I was like, we can write like two, three songs. Right. And it was like eight months or something. And so we wrote, uh, three songs and, uh, played them. It was great. It was, it was a really, it was a stupidly good first show because <laughs> we were, we had all these techs and people like helping us set up with a big ass stage in front of all of Nickelodeon and, that's weird. Like people, usually you start with the dive bar. Right. Um, but that was our second show. Our second show was a dive bar and I learned a lot about booking and whatever. I, um, I got bit by that bug too. I, I really liked performing. I really feel good when I'm on stage. It's a very different side of me. Um, but it's, it's very fulfilling. And then, and writing music was a way to like, get through still is but it, it during that development time that was a, a a huge um it was a lot that was fuel for all for a lot of the album because it was just the frustration of dealing with all these things and the yeah. inadequacy and the you know whatever and so our song insania is about the creative process you know and just f- like feeling like you wish you would just like snap and go crazy so that you wouldn't have to think about things too much and yeah. um and so um yeah, it was uh, it, it was uh, a way for me to cope. I like I, I try to turn negative into positive as much as I can, and that was one of those instances where it was like, uh, it was an opportunity. It was you know, hey, let's play this show. That then grew. We we uh, swapped members a, a couple times just because of other obligations people had, and we've had the same people for like I don't know seven years or something, six seven years. Oh wow. Okay. Um, yeah, we have six members. Um, we rehearse. We try to rehearse every week. We pretty much do, um, with rare exceptions. And uh, and yeah, we have uh, a three-song EP coming out very soon. We haven't like fully announced it yet. We've teased it. Ooh. Um, 
but yeah, we have an EP coming out. We're and we're working on a lot of stuff. Like we we're starting to tinker with another album, but we're also juggling a bunch of singles. We have a cover song that we recorded. Um and so uh I don't know. I like to stay busy. I, I like to stay busy and these things are very different parts of my brain. Um especially like the job that I was working for the last two years was very technical. Yeah. It was very um just it was people facing so i was just i basically just had to be in meetings and talk to people and do some like mock-ups and things it was it wasn't it didn't take much creative energy out of me um and so uh i could allow myself to work on no xp on qbomb all these things yeah um and uh yeah I'm... i think that's uh, yeah <laughs> well i mean i was gonna say like you know, especially seeing the fruits of that labor with, you know, Q-Bomb and, you know, no XP, which we'll definitely talk about in a second, but especially Q-Bomb, I could certainly tell, especially with your guys' debut album, Hyperpunk, like, it seemed to me like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it feel like somewhat of a personal album more than anything else, like, just taking a lot of, like, deep-rooted thoughts, deeply, like, you know, personal thoughts that, like, eat you up inside and just unleashing it onto the whole world. It's, so, um... The the first song that I wrote is the first song on the album, Buzzkiller, Buzz Killer. and uh, it was, I you know, Rem is by far the the musician. Like Rem writes really amazing melodies, and uh, and then I like produce it. I like curate it and kind of figure out how to make it into like a catchier song or mm -hmm. a, maybe simplify it. Um, and we collaborate on that kind of stuff. But I, I do write. Uh, all my own lyrics and such. And so that song was the only one that I actually did kind of come up with the melody for uh, early on. Uh, he wrote Build a Robot Out of Trash. That's pretty much all him. Um, Insania was kind of both of us, but the lyrics were mine. Um, but Buskiller was like, I was like, this is the song that we come out to. Like, this mm -hmm. is the intro song of the band. And, it, and eventually the album. And so uh, that's how I wrote it. And I was like, I should... I think very visually. I think that when I write music, I think in visuals. And so that song was like, I want everyone to come in with their instruments and start playing. And then we all, you know, we've yet to pull that off because it's hard when you are, when you don't have a giant setup and, and uh, guitar techs and stuff. Right. Um, and so, uh, but that's the idea is that everyone would come in one by one and it builds. Um, but that song is a, is a mission statement on like uh, what I was feeling and what I wanted that band to evoke. And it's very like, it is angry. It's angry and it's, but it's like ambitious. There's a, a line that I always feel really, I feel really proud of that like, uh, death will need, uh, death will need permission. I'm burdened by ambition. So death will need permit, uh, permission. Yes. And I, I feel that strongly. And I, I think it's the, one of the rawest lines I've written. Um, and it was just, it just, that's what I felt. Like I was just like, you know, at that moment I felt really good. Um, and then, you know, then there's Insania, which is about me struggling to come up with another song. And it, But then I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to write a song about how I'm struggling to come up with a song. Um, Whoa, Poison how Bob. meta. <laughs> yeah, it's very, the whole thing is very meta. Yeah. There's a, there was a very, the, to me, the there was like a few layers to that album. And it was like, this is, an, this is, a, a, um, how do I explain this? It's like, it was, this is a band's first album. And mm. so that's what I'm going to kind of treat it as. Every song should feel raw. It should feel kind of like self-exploratory and very like you're figuring out what you want to write about or like what you're going through. The last song on the album is was always meant to be a bookend on it, and it's so it's an inverse of Buzzkiller, and it's 
everything's falling off, all the instruments are fading away, mm-hmm. and it's just sad. Like it's, I was going through a rough moment then, like just feeling shitty, and I, it all just worked out in that way. Um, and then Poison Pop is just like a, a moment in time where I felt really betrayed by people and just felt like I needed to vent that out, and I was just angry about that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know every song has a different little story attached to it it has a bit i always try to keep it in the same style and the same aesthetics and that sort of new metal chip tune like thing and um we've had amazing producers working with us and uh and our label is super supportive ghost pixel and like um the album was pretty much done before we got signed and they just helped it bring it to the finish line yeah um didn't meddle at all like they were just like nope this is good. Like there was some feedback and we kind of went, went back and forth on stuff, but, uh, it was all positive. And, uh, yeah, now we're tinkering with new things. Yeah, things. absolutely. I just gotta say real quick, when it comes to, to hyper puck more than anything else, like, well, before I'd asked you to come on this podcast, I, that's been an album that I've been going back to several times over the past couple months or whatnot. Oh, like, like, Oh no, absolutely. Like freaking from start to finish. Like there's not a single song that I skip. Like I, I love oh, the vibe. I, 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 I definitely get like the visual idea of what you're talking about especially for songs like um 10 million ad or whatnot like that that's a very visual song at least for me um that every everything is fine is always gonna be a good visual especially with what you did personally that little mini animation that you did always a good animation as well um and of course another good visual is the one that worthy kids actually did for insania as well like that was a fantastic one on top of all of that like it's amazing yeah. it's amazing what you've been able to do with Q-Bomb and, you know, the little teaser again, like, I'm excited to hear what's next more than anything else. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I I try to, my best to keep it all killer, no filler, and um, every song has a purpose. We didn't have demos, you know, like, we didn't have demos. It was just, I was kind of filtering through stuff as we were writing it, and if, if Rem wrote something that I thought was really dope or somebody else wrote something, I was like, let's work with that like let's let's keep fine-tuning that and to, uh, to this day that's still how we how we do things like we just we have a lot of we have to be fair we do have a lot more demos now but they're not the way that people usually call them where it's like a band you know wrote out a song on shitty and inst- on like a, a shitty recording and then they go in and polish it or whatever right it's usually just like a melody that rem has written um and then i'm like bookmark that we'll come back to it and then we just work on it until it uh clicks sometimes we walk away from it and then we come back to it but i don't like to have a finished song that gets thrown out like that's that's a thing that'll happen with uh in some bands writing processes Mm -hmm. where they'll write 30 songs you know whatever however many songs and then the either they pick or the label helps them pick like what 13 go on the album i don't like that i i feel like that's how you get a weird uneven album and um an unfocused album and so i i prefer to just like know what the what the beats are you know like the sort of emotional beats are um and so we're tinkering with that if we have a second album in the works i have like a a map in my head and we have all these little scraps of songs and i'm slowly just like trying to figure out how to piece it all together and make it all work well again i'm I'm certainly excited to hear what's next but Obviously, as much as I'd like to hear about that in the future, let's talk about the thing that's more directly in your future and the thing that's been more at the forefront for you right now. And that is this yeah. incredible little internet series you've created called No XP. Now, you said you've been tinkering with this with you for a while now, and you kind of illustrated why you kind of made it. But how did No XP come to be, and how did it develop to where it is now? Um, 
I did mention it, yeah, but like um that it was it was like um I wanted to get back to animating. Um I didn't have a project of my own to work on because Cubon became bigger than me and um and I think we were I don't remember what point we were at. I think we were waiting for the album to be finished. Like it was out of okay. my hands. And so we was kind of waiting for that to to be uh, all like mixed and mastered and whatever. And um and then I, you know, Planet Panic had been uh, passed on. I had tried pitching things, and I started to see a future in in the, the TikTok world and the, the Instagram reels, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I started with thinking, how can I make, how can I design these so that they are sustainable week to week, just for me. Um, I overshot it as I always do. Um, <laughs> so the first five were a minute long each and uh that is a lot yeah and uh if it was my full-time job i could probably do it and for when i was unemployed when i started so i was able to pull it off for the first uh yeah like three and then it got and then i started my job and then i got more challenging and then i had to put it aside for a bit um and i kept working on them but very sporadically i just like you know i was busy cubone picked back up and so there was other things happening mm -hmm. um and uh but I, I really love what we're working on. Um, I'm working now with, with uh, Sean Aitchison, who's a co-writer on it, helping me figure stuff out. He's also our production supervisor at Jellybox. And, like, um, he's an amazing, amazing guy, like, super funny. And so we have 40 outlines. Like, we have outlines for 40 shorts. And that was something we had to real I, I realized is, like, that shrinking them down to 20 seconds to maybe 30 max per episode is like the way to go because it's just better for the algorithms, mm -hmm. um, better for people's attention spans, but it also just keeps them more focused and um, like digestible, but also easier to produce. Like it's, you know, it's easier to make a 30 second thing every week or so um, than a minute long and, uh, and it's better for it. So that's the goal. Uh, post Kickstarter. These these uh, episodes are all about a minute because I made them before I even started doing the 22nd ones. Mm -hmm. I've had these for uh, ready for a while. Oh wow. Um yeah, yeah, the the although the the 22nd shorts from like episode 6 through I think like 14 or something like that. Those some of the ones that are that we're releasing now were done before any of those came out. So I've been trying to like keep a timeline in my head, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, so, um, yeah, it started as that. And I, I, you know, I came up with these tropes. I was trying to come up with everything was, um, built out from a core idea. Whereas usually I'll come up with like this world building and like, I get really lofty, all these, you know, ideas and stuff. And then I forget to do the character stuff, which is the fucking most important thing. And I think a lot of people, um, make the same mistake when they're starting out as they do all the fun stuff, the lore building but they forget that character is at the heart of it all. And people right. connect with characters more than with lore. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to come up with fun character, almost tropes that I can put a spin on. And, um, and so it was like, well, I'm, I like, you know, I used to play a lot of RPGs. I love anime. So I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have the, the big, the biggest joke that it started with was what if there was a character that got isekai into this world? Like it often happens. Mm -hmm. It tends to happen. Um, what if they, they finish their thing and they hate it and they just want to go back home? And so that was Jackson. Um, 
and Jackson is, you know, people, the, I love that people get the joke. Like to me, that's great. Cause I was worried that people would be like, why is this kid so apathetic all the time? <laughs> it's like, no, they get it. He's, he's over it. He hates this shit. Vega Jack is me just wanting to do Vegeta, but like a, a even bigger idiot. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, Bozer is just all my anxieties rolled into one character. It's just the, it's, it's the, the himbo, anxious himbo. Poppy is just, you know, a, a delightful eldritch, uh, creature turned cute bunny girl um or vice versa um and toots is like i wanted a character that is i wanted to show the perspective of a character in these rpg uh, crews that never gets used mm -hmm. because there's always one and uh a few of them have a clown like dragon quest 3 had a clown and uh, I was like, I think that'd be really funny to show like, and that's, that's the character that's trying to make the most out of their fame and they're failing at it spectacularly. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that was, the, that was the, like the, the first five. And then I built up their own little um, worlds around them. Like, you know, Bozer's workmates, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a plan. There's like a plan for the next 40. They're, they're definitely going to get into plot more. Um, but it's tricky because, like, short form animation still doesn't really, like, narrative short form animation is kind of a new thing, and it doesn't do super well. Um, people like just these standalone gags. They like, um, you know, things that are they can scroll through and it's easy, which is totally fine. Like, yeah. I get it. I'm a fan of those things too. But I, my, my goal, and hopefully I can figure it out, is how to build up uh, a narrative short form. Uh, thing was to me it's it's going back to the days of web comics like basically each short i think of it like a page of a web comic um and uh or or i think of it also as like issues where it's like you know of a comic you like you get an issue but then they there'll be a, a trade paperback and that's like the compilation so it's like there's standalone gags in there but there's always a little bit of movement towards the plot um and uh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm running a show. Like I, you know, it's that's something that I I've been really happy about is that like despite all the sort of frustrations and stress and whatever, it's like I wanted to run a show. I wanted to work with people that that were, that were more talented than me and just making a thing that they're excited about. And I do. I love my crew. Like the they're amazing. Like everyone that's working. We have like six people on the No XP crew now, and uh, maybe more. But um, yeah, and everyone's just passionate about it, and we have very loyal fans already. So the next goal is just fund this thing and uh, start making more merch, making stuff that people want to buy, support us, um, and just make it weekly. If we can get that Kickstarter goal, we can do it weekly for a year. Uh, and then in that time, I'm going to keep grinding yep. to figure out how to sustain it. It's getting very dark in here. <laughs> There you go. Oh, it's March. Yeah, that's terrible. That it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so, uh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's it's those kinds of steps. Like, it takes, um, it takes, like, kind of laying the groundwork first and then figuring out uh, how to expand on it. And, yeah, anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> just, just like how you were talking about back in the day when it came to Hyperboy, people were looking at like the Hunger Team yeah. Aqua Force. You know, people looked at me like, I could do it, and now you are doing it. I hope so. And and there are things that I saw people doing, um, you know, even like like Homestuck back in the day was 
was uh, very inspiring to me in a way. And um, Chicken Nugget, you know, stuff yes. that where I see people just making things is always inspiring to me. I think it's great. And so we'll see. You know, we'll see if it um, if it picks up, if it takes off. Because, like, there's definitely... It's harder to sustain it when there's not... Uh, a lot of like attention and hype on it mm -hmm. but with some things you have to just do it until it clicks yeah. so like i'm in that mode i mean i'll tell you right now at least for me like no no xp like almost instantly clicked with me like i love the humor that I you guys are, I, I love the humor that you guys are presenting with it the characters are so great toots is instantly like one of my favorites just with <laughs> how how she's you know a silly like you said you know trying to capitalize on what she has and failing miserably but in an entertaining way that you can't help but enjoy the the shorts like i love some of the gags you're doing like some of my favorite episodes is like the the toots podcast radio show kind of oh, thing. Really? that was that was a good episode that i enjoyed um it's just kind of like you know you expect like a loud rompus character but it's just like yeah yeah very very nice very subtle you know you always gotta be down the clown you know yeah. <laughs> that's a good that's a sean script yeah oh, that's a sean it, it's funny because that that one didn't do no i mean you know he's been writing a bunch of them uh i think um i think that it's interesting because like that one didn't do really well you know that okay. one was not a big hit and that's okay because clearly there's people out there like you that thought it was funny and so and i thought it was funny i don't make anything that i don't personally think is funny and like right. we'll have a, a script that it just doesn't work for me like i i feel like there's something about it that isn't clicking and uh, we'll go back and forth, like Sean and I, or I'll ask my other friends for for help. And uh, as long as I'm proud of what I'm making, like I think that's the important thing. And then uh, the rest will come, because I I've given up on trying to fight the algorithms and like all that. Like it, I think the most important thing is just continuously being on people's minds more than mm -hmm. anything. Um, and that's why it's the same model that TV shows use. You know, even. Yeah. Like, if you can make an episode of something, well, you know, they they don't do once a week, but, like, for a while, they'll have an episode of a show coming out every week for a few months or whatever. Um, that's still, I think, the ideal way to release TV because the binge thing came and went and... yeah. Like it, it, it passes by so fast. People watch it in a weekend and then it's done. And it's like, okay, well you blew all your marketing points in a weekend. It's, um, it's, it's like, they see it that weekend. It gets a little bit of traction. And then like a couple weeks later, it's like, Oh wait, that's right. Oh, there's this new thing. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's yeah. And they move on <laughs> and then they move on. And so, yeah. And that's the, that's the tricky thing. And I've, I've noticed with no XP even, um, that I think when you become too consistent, I think people, get bored mm. they um they get used to it existing in their uh peripheral because they follow so many things people are everyone's following so many things oh yes and so, <laughs> yeah and the algorithm kind of punishes you some it depends on the platform but like they don't really some places love the the weekly upload or the like tiktok loves the daily upload which is impossible for animators but right um but unless uh, you're like playing out at least like a year in advance yeah. Oh, you have to really have it ready. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Twitter or X, whatever the fuck it is. Um, it, uh, it kind of hates when you are posting stuff. I, like I it just, I don't know. It's a terrible website, but, yeah. um, so I've noticed that sometimes that it's like when I don't post anything for a bit and then I come back, it feel like I'll get more because 
it wants me to stay. You know, I think that there's these weird little things they put in the the code where it's like, mm. oh, you're back. Here's all these likes. We showed your thing to all these people because you haven't posted in a while. So it's like posting regularly sometimes hurts yeah. more than it. Uh, so it's fucked. It's all fucked, and I don't want to chase that formula. Um, I just kind of want to make things that are enjoyable um, yeah, for people. Put a, put a smile on their face, you know. I mean, you're doing a good job with at least, again, one person. I know several others seeing some of the support you guys have gotten. Um, I was going to say, like, I did love that Toots one, but the one that hits me with on a personal level has to be when Vega tried to get the forklift job. I, you know, I, 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 I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> like, as a forklift operator, I have seen that person before. I have seen that person that has, like, little to no experience to be like, oh, yeah, no, I totally got this. I got this. No, no problem. Don't worry about me. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, this kind of thing. And they're upside down with a horse. I think I remember. I yeah. even, I even commented. At, like, I replied to the initial video, being like, "As a forklift operator myself, this is exactly um, how it works." <laughs> yeah, that, that was you. Okay, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I was. I just. I was like, "What would be like a, a funny job for Vega Jack to try to do that?" I know is a very technical job that you have to like actually be certified for and mm -hmm. all this shit. And and this idiot thinks he can just do it. Um, and so I, I like that one a lot. That one I've had that idea for for a while and it came out perfect it did it came out um, perfectly so thank you oh no problem and i was gonna say and for those uh, out there that didn't get that yes you got that right yours truly is forklift certified bask in my glory no <laughs> it's I, I don't know i don't know how to do it so it's, it's uh it's, it's, to me. it's not as hard as you think i'll be honest with you it's just using common sense being careful and understanding how the things operate that's all it is <laughs> but you know you won't, don't know until you actually get into it like you know i'm right. you can easily do that with all the stuff that you've had involvement with in, like animation you know you really don't know till you get into it music uh podcasting i'm sure you can easily test that as a, a former co-host for an incredible call podcast yeah wow i couldn't even say that i podcast and i fucked up that word <laughs> Being a co-host for an incredible podcast known as Creative Block with UNV. Um, how, you kind of mentioned that it was more or less a COVID project, but how did that podcast come to be? Uh, uh, COVID depression. Um, okay, you know, that's a very good start. <laughs> it was, uh, I was really uh, feeling low. Uh, I think V was too. And, and uh, V posted something about like, oh, I think I might want to do like an interview show. Does anybody want to? Um, be a part of it and I a while back I think it was like 2016 I had the I had the idea for creative block then but it was a it was like a video interview show where I would uh, film people on like a you know two chair set whatever yeah um, and we would talk about stuff because there was other shows that I was into at the time that were like that like YouTube shows and um, but it uh, is really hard to shoot video and expensive. And I I was working on Planet Panic at the time, and mm. that was a line that I could not cross. I was like, this isn't something I do not have time for. So I um, took a step back from that idea, put it in my little pocket. And then, uh, and with V, it was like, I was like, you know what, yeah, let's do an audio, stick with audio. We're all, we're all stuck in quarantine, so I think we're gonna be able to get people on, on our show more easily right now. Um, and that was another thing is like it got for me it got harder and harder to get the people on that I wanted to get on because they're busy you know everyone started living their lives at a certain point yeah um after lockdown ended and like uh so it, yeah I kind of just lost the thrill um but uh 
Yeah, it was just a, a thing we started with. We got our friends on early, you know, for the first episodes, like, um, and then slowly we're able to, with, with the proof that we were legit, started able to get bigger guests on and like Lauren Faust and like uh, a big one for me is Jason DeMarco's like the guy behind like Toonami. Like, I don't know. It was, that was like, I was geeking out. Um, Joan and Vasquez, who is, uh, you know, a friend now, but like then we had sort of only just started talking mm -hmm. um, all these names. And like, it was, it was, uh, it was really cool for me to, a, learn a lot from all these people because I was able to ask them questions that I would have loved to ask them over like a dinner, but I just I just have a podcast. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I learned a ton, and that that was talking to like uh, Vivzi and like other uh, and worthy kids. It was like, oh, this indie thing is possible. Like that was, and so that was what planted the seed for me. Then is like I was like, I think I can figure this out. Um, uh, but yeah, it was really good, and it, it helped me feel less. Um, like a black sheep like i think that especially at that time when everyone was isolated there was a moment where i felt like uh outside the industry and that i was and then planet panic had been passed on so i was like man i'm just not i'm not i'm a nobody in this industry but then you talk to all these people and they have all the same anxieties like all yeah. the same anxieties um and that really helped i think that really helped me feel um like uh, I was a peer, you know, amongst these like people I looked up to. Um, and uh, it was, yeah, I think it, for me, it kind of served its purpose. I think I feel like I did what I wanted to do, set out to do. And then it just, the the passion for it fizzled out for me. And um, and so, uh, yeah, I stepped away, but it's, it's still going. It's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a great resource. I think, and all the episodes that I did are still there and like, yeah. um, I think that I hope that was always our goal with with uh, the V and I shared was that like everybody uh, people that see it and hear hopefully there's like young artists that was always our audience is like young artists animators that are looking for um, that kind of like insight and that they will watch these episodes and learn a lot because I learned a lot and I'm I'm in it so it was yeah. still like I'm I'm sure I I really tried to milk our guests for like valuable and, and like we always talk about failure like we really try to ask our guests about failure like what did it feel like when you went through this because man nobody talks about that and and that's the stuff you deal with a lot more than success success is easy to deal with it's yeah. like we um but failure is a hard one and i i think hearing even you know even for me again like hearing people talk about times that their shit got you know, uh, didn't get greenlit or whatever when they were broke or it's like, all right. So it's everybody got yeah, it. Like, yeah. I, yeah, you, you get used to it. And, um, and even what we're going through now with, you know, the industries in, in, a, in a rut, probably the biggest rut they've had, maybe ever had, I don't know. And I, there's sort of a, um, solidarity in knowing that everybody's going through it, that it's not, if I was unemployed and I was the only one unemployed, that would that'd be like, Oh no, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, but when I, I see incredibly talented people that are not being hired, I'm like, okay, so this is just fucked right now. Yeah. This is not, this is not me. Far more talented people can't find work than this is a systemic problem, not a, not a me problem. And yeah. there's comfort in that. Um, and you know, hopefully we'll all crawl out of the mud, um, eventually, but 
just hanging in there, man. Just I, surviving I, right now. I mean, hey, I'm rooting for y'all. And honestly, like, the, the thing about failure, that was the one thing I did appreciate from Creative Block. Like, don't get me wrong, like, you know, when it comes to this podcast, like I try to like champion my guests as much as I can. So that's why I want to talk about like the successes and such while I can, but I also understand like, you know, for every success, there's like 20 failures behind it. You know, not everyone like instantly strikes gold that first instance. Oh, so like, no. So like with what you were able to talk about and trust me, I listened to a good chunk of the episodes. I mean, your episode alone was an yeah. incredible one to listen to. Um, V had a great episode. Um, I was like I say I listened to to the wonderful Gili Gamari's episode before I brought oh, her yeah. uh, before I brought her on the podcast as well so there's that connection right there. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, episode 62 if I remember correctly. Very cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um like, you know, what's the year tonight? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> I now have two people that have been guests on uh create a block now on this podcast. So ha. No. Um Awesome. But, like, it, it's incredible, like, what you're able to do with that and what you're still able to do these days, including what we talked about with No XP, currently trying to get that Kickstarter off the ground. Like, at what point did you realize that you wanted to to ask the masses, hey, let's make this a reality? A while ago, I mean, I think um, I always knew it would come to this point because um, I just I know what I was figuring out the budget as I was as I was doing, as I was paying out of pocket, I was like trying to figure out what it would cost to produce an episode, like what people I needed to have in place, um, to make it, uh, to make it possible to upload it weekly, but also not burn anyone out, like not make it hard on anyone. And, uh, kind of figured out a formula. Like it's, you know, we have two teams. Each team has a layout artist that, um, takes my boards and just does like, clean drawings which was a ton of reuse because i've designed it that way so that it's just like you usually just have to draw like an expression or something but it's a lot of the same heads and bodies mm -hmm. um and then uh and an animator for each team so the, the the layout artist will do a pass where they uh block in sort of all the poses and then the animator you know makes them dance um and that makes it pretty sustainable um for a, a weekly show and uh and once I figured out the budget per episode of what I had had to pay all these artists, it was like, okay, so this times this many. And then, you know, with Kickstarter, you have to factor in fees, merch, fulfillment, right. like right. all these things. And and, uh, and I had help with friends uh, for all of that. So it's, uh, but I, I always knew it would come to this because I couldn't do it out of pocket for long. Like it was just, you know, I've spent thousands on that already. And like, um, and it's worth it. I'm, I spent thousands on Cubomb. Like I've spent yeah. tons of money on all these projects and I haven't seen a dime from any of it. Um, someday maybe I'll become a millionaire, um, from all these projects, but, but it, it's what it takes. Like, you know, I think you, you have your, your day job, you have your, your hustle and then you spend what you can, you save and you spend what you can on your passions yeah. for some people. It's hobbies, you know, they, they do whatever, but uh, a lot of it for this is my, this is pretty much a hobby for me because I'm sure as hell not doing it. I'm not making money off of all these personal projects. Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and that, that comes with its own burdens. Cause it's like trying to separate work from passion and personal things. So, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, that, that's, it's been a while. I think it's probably at least a year I've been thinking about it and, um, and like trying to start put, putting it together 
Uh, and then near the beginning of the year, I really started to like plan for it and estimate. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's incredible that you decided to go forth with this Kickstarter because I think with what you have presented forward, like it's absolutely, you know, should get the, the funding it deserves. I think that you guys can easily get that funding and get out there. I mean, you guys are already halfway there at the time of recording. And hopefully by the time this episode comes out on the 19th, you will have that budget like there and out the door. Like hopefully. Here's hoping, man. Here's hoping. Yeah. But I mean, like, regardless, I mean, I think, I, I mean, if people, if anyone in my audience has not watched any of the no XP stuff, I mean, come on, like you need to, it's absolutely incredible and support the Kickstarter, which the link to that will be in the description below. Obviously. Why not? Um, I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I can certainly tell with all the, the time and effort and work that you put into this, like just with your art journey as a whole, like from the start, like I could tell there's a lot of love and passion you put in every, just about everything that you do. Like I can only imagine like for you thinking back on your art journey, like it's got to blow your mind how far you've been able to come along. Thing that I, that I, it's like a habit that I have to practice that it's like, thinking back and even in like, you know, I talk to my therapist about it all the time that it's like, I, I have to look back and look at all those things because yeah, like young me would have his mind blown, but the me that's here now is thinking about the next thing and is disappointed in the, the result or whatever, you know? And I, I think a lot of creatives can share that, but you're absolutely right. Like I recently spoke to, um, like a like a month ago i went back to my hometown and i uh for the first time since i graduated i went back to my high school and um my one of my favorite teachers then is you know i'm still in touch with them and um i was like hey i'm in town and it's like during school year so like can i come by and he's like yeah oh yeah he's like come talk to my class and it was in the same class that i spent like a lot of time in like the same room it looked almost identical and it, but instead it was all these like uh not even zoomer kids whatever they are um maybe i think they're zoomers um but uh and i was like oh my god and so i i talked about all this same stuff i'm basically talking about now like i gave my origin answered questions and it, it was really cool like i was like man i am twice as old as i was when i graduated high school and i'm definitely twice as old as all these uh as these kids but i he asked me at one point, he was like, do you, he's like, you, you know, you feel successful. Right. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I guess I am. And I was, I wasn't lying. And he's like, do you, uh, and you're unemployed. And I was like, yes, I am. And he's like, you see, like, so like he was, you know, saying it to the class, like these two things will happen simultaneously. Like, you know, you will have hard moments and you will have times where you like, don't feel good about what you're doing. He's like, but clearly like, it's still worth the journey. Yeah. Um, and there was there were students there that were asking great questions, and I I could immediately tell who was gonna make something of themselves because there was there was a girl there that was uh, she was like a, a cheerleader, and I was I had my own biases I guess when I saw her, <laughs> and then she and then she started asking all these like really like awesome questions about like film and like she asked me the same question she asked me like you know do you have to redefine success as you get old? a similar question do you redefine success as you get older and i was like damn what are you how, what the fuck like what are you 17 16 like how do you how do you ask that when you're that age but the, the, they're smart they're yes. like because they're going up they're way smarter than than i think my generation was and um so I, I was i was shocked and i was like she's gonna be fine 
Like she, she apparently wants to be a director in New York and it's like to her parents, that's like a nightmare. And I'm like, no, fuck it. She, she's going to be fine. Yeah. Like she'll, figure out, she might not do that, but she will find something that is just as fulfilling and successful. And like, so yeah, it's, it's all about pivoting, um, adjusting, doing new things. I've learned to really, uh, love discomfort. Um, okay. you know, it's a, it's a cliche thing, but it's like people say, if you don't, if you don't feel discomfort, discomfort, then you're not growing, you're not learning. And so I think anytime I get too comfortable and, and things quiet down, my, my anxious little brain is like, I got to figure out how to fuck this up for myself. And so I, I start a fan. <laughs> I start, I start a studio. I do stupid shit that, uh, makes me chase the next thing, you know? Well, I can only imagine, especially because if I could sledge you this far and seeing the impact it's had on like kids like that, it kind of leads me to the last question I have for you. Yeah. I mean, thinking to how much art has impacted you in your life, how important is art not just for you but for the world as a whole? Uh, incredibly. Like I, I was just talking about it recently that like the amount of good that media can do. I don't know. It's it's like immeasurable. Like I think that even I mean obviously there's stuff like representation and things that just show other people how other people's lives are that they didn't know about, didn't care about. Um but uh yeah, I mean it sucks that the the sort of climate of things right now because with like AI and and, and the studios all you know all gouging artists and writers and actors like all the profits have gotten little gone a little too high up and people aren't actually making the money off the stuff they make but that's a shame because that's a huge shame um that's an understatement but because we can't exist without these things like everybody needs something at the end of the day to distract them from work from their stress or even not even distract necessarily but just like find joy in these things and like i love uh you know i don't watch as much animation as i used to um, because I'm not the target audience for, you know, for a lot of it is for kids and that's fine. Um, I do watch some adult animation stuff, but, uh, you know, I love video games. I would love to get into game dev. Okay. That's one of the goals, um, that I have, which also is its own challenge. I, at some point I will, I will get Jellybox will be successful and I will be bored and I'm like, I'm about to fuck this up. And <laughs> feel, feel like shit for six months trying to learn how to do that. I mean, it's gotten you this far. Um, it's got me this far, but yeah, that's, that's one of my like to do's and, um, but yeah, I mean, I love music. And so I was like, I want to make a band, you know, like I, and people constantly tell me like, like, Oh, this music meant a lot to me. Like this, this album is, we have a, a Cubom discord that is always bumping with kids, but they like, it's exactly the audience that I wanted, which is weirdo 14 year olds like me when I, you know, when I was that age and I was into Lincoln park and slipknot and whatever the hell. And like, that's, that's our fans and I love it. That's exactly the people I wanted is weirdo kids who need something visually stimulating. That's like, gives them inspiration. They're always drawing our mascot Quinn. They're drawing all these things. They're drawing us. People draw a fan art of, of me as Izzy deluxe. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, like a lot. Like, and I'm like, Oh shit. They, they really believe that I, they, it's the funniest thing is when people don't know that I am also Gene Goldstein animator and whatever. Right. And like, <laughs> Oh, it's the funniest thing. It's like they they will be like, guys, wait a minute. Like, who is Gene Goldstein? And like they'll actually like they'll like figure it out and they'll like, wait, 
this was the creator of like Planet Panic or whatever. And I'm like, man, wow. I, that's, that mean that to me is great. Cause that means I pulled it off. Like I, yep. I pulled off this, this stunt of, uh, having the two worlds be like separate. So yeah, it means a lot. I think art is, the world is boring without it. Like you need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. With that, that is wonderfully worded. If I do say so myself, thank you thank with you. that, that is all the questions I have for you. I've showered you with a lot of praise. I'll show you just a little bit more because it's my podcast to do what I want. Um, and I'll try to make it quick because I mean, as you listen throughout the podcast, like, you're a really significant person in this art world more than anything else. All the stuff that you've kind of had a hand in, whether you realize it or not, like whether it's for me or for, you know, some kid out there or, you know, for the, the indie animation community as a whole, you've had a really significant part in this. And it, it just amazes me more than anything else. Like all the different hands of art, all the different hats of art that you've been able to put on and really go forth and do some incredible stuff, whether it be, you know, doing your own animation at first with Hyperboy to, you know, doing the band with Q-Bomb to the animation nowadays with, you know, Panic Planet, uh, Planet Panic and No XP now. Like, it, every single time I see something from you, I know it's going to be absolutely top-notch spectacular, and that's why I get excited for it. Okay. Now getting the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. I said at the start, and I'll say it again, it was an honor to get to talk to you, and I really do appreciate you taking the okay. time to be here. And I sincerely hope you continue to keep fucking up whatever you're doing, you know, with whatever goes on with life, because if it keeps producing the incredible results so far, fuck it all the way up. Fuck it as fuck much it as you up. can. Fuck it up as much as you can. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that means a lot. I, I think that, um, you know, we all live in our own worlds and like it's hard when you're just waking up and working on a thing all day or all week or whatever. And it's like you don't get the the big numbers or the, the response that you want. It's like it's easy to feel down. And so I think that like people like you and just anybody who is out there like reminding artists and creatives that what the work they do matters, like it goes a long way. Like it really does go a long way. And I really appreciate everything you've said. Um, but yeah, man, that's the message. Keep fucking it up. Amen to that. Now, people want to see how you're fucking it up more often than not. <laughs> Go ahead and plug yourself uh, for the people at home. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me. Uh, I'm at Gene Goldstein everywhere. Twitter, X, uh, whatever. Instagram. Um, I'm on YouTube. Uh, there's also uh, Jellybox, which is uh, Jellybox underscore Studio on um, I think every platform. I'm, I'm on Blue Sky now too, so is Jellybox. Um, and, uh, we have a Kickstarter for no XP. Um, uh, we're, we're halfway funded, but we have three weeks left and we're trying to get 20 K. We have a lot of rewards. I'm actually announcing another add on reward, uh, uh, late next week, I think. Okay. Um, it's a really funny one. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm working on a promo for it this week. And then, um, yeah, if we get that funded, then we'll be able to make no XP for, another year um and then if you know in that time if it picks up then we'll see we'll be able to just keep going um and then q bomb check out q bomb uh we're on spotify we're on youtube uh we have new stuff coming out soon but i don't know when um so that's a harder one to plug but listen to hyperpunk yep um we're very proud of that album and uh that's it, but that's already a lot. So, I mean, I, I'm gonna try to have all those links down in the description below, but I, I might miss one. I'll at least make sure that the No XP right. Kickstarter is the first one so that people can go. Find yeah, that's it. the big one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any final words before we sign off? Uh, listen, uh, post mod art podcast. <laughs> 
you don't have to plug me. You're already here. You don't have to flatter me. You're already on the show. I guess you're already listening to it. But, you know. Well, then keep coming back to it. Please. Please keep coming back. Yeah. Keep coming back. That's with, all. With that, all I have left to say is for the people at home, pay your artist. Pay your artist. For sure. Tell me what's Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Um, like I said, Gene was someone that I had definitely been keeping on my radar. So the, the fact that I got to talk to him and have such a fantastic conversation. Gene, if you've gotten up to this point yourself, uh, thank you sincerely for your time more than anything else. Um, I can only imagine with everything that you're trying to, to juggle at this point, you know, even just having a little ounce of time to, to give me the time of day. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. And more than anything else, I hope that this episode, especially for you guys in the audience, I hope this is a really good reflection of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. You know, more than anything else, this conversation was very eye-opening for me. Uh, hearing all the ways that Gene has tried to succeed, but struggled due to forces outside of his control one way or another, and all the, the different aspects that I wouldn't have probably even considered beforehand... You know, it, it, it really, it gives me a new love and appreciation for him, but also gives me a new, yeah, a new love and appreciation for the people that are able to go forth and make this thing a reality. Um, like, <laughs> like, cause we all, anyone with eyes and ears know how talented Gene is. Gene is probably one of the most talented people I have ever to, been able to bring on this podcast. And certainly one of the most talented people whatever he puts himself into. But the fact that, you know, at this point he's got only so much to show and so much more that he wants to show. It, it really gives me more of a drive to try to help out as many people as possible and give them the opportunity if I can. Um, I know Gene's doing that with Jellybox, And if there's a way, like I said in the podcast, if there's a way that I can do that to so many of the people that I bring on this podcast, I would. I absolutely would. Because there are so many incredible people that I have brought on this podcast that absolutely deserve so many different opportunities. I know one of the ones I'm trying to help create is, you know, the evil little thing with Tipsy. If you guys haven't heard me shower it enough, trust me, I'm going to be annoying as all get out when it comes to showering how much I want this project to be funded and created. Because I know how much this means to Tipsy. I know how much this means to me. I know how much this means to everyone that works on this team. At the end of the day, I just sincerely hope that Gene is able to get those opportunities that he deserves. I'm hoping that with what I'm doing with this podcast and the people that I'm bringing on, it allows me to turn around and give other people the opportunity to create the stuff that they want to. To create the stuff that they're passionate about. And if there's any way that I can help you guys out there make that what you're passionate about, your creative dreams a reality, 
let me know. I, I want to help as much as I can. I mean, I'm only one person. I can only do so much. And I can't put all my tasks on the Tipsy and Aiden, my fantastic team. But if there's any way I can help bring you guys a little bit closer to that reality, to that dream, let me know. I I want to help. I know you guys can do some fantastic stuff. You just need that extra push, that extra platform. And I hope that one day I can provide that for you guys. But until then, keep your head up and keep creating incredible stuff.